0: Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins for your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway Timberliving.ie Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins for your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway Timberliving.ie Brendan
1: O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Lots of love and warmth coming in for Brianna there. Anne wondering, has Brianna agreed to be buried with his people? Uh, Aidan says, Brendan, you need to read Brianna's commentary on local GA club football on Twitter. It was just hilarious. So I do have a quote here, which is Brianna's take on the GA. From the outside, it is all the demands of a cult without the perks of group sex. And uh, someone else says, tell Brianna we culties are the real Irish. Dubliners in particular are just chippy garbage. Displaced scousers. That's John from Limerick. i just just—I'll throw that out there now. Do what—do with that what you will. Uh, psychotherapist Richard Hogan, welcome back. Hi, you, How are you? And today we're going to talk about it's going to kind of become a tricky subject yeah. masculinity, what Absolutely. it is to be a boy, uh, uh, what it is to be a man. And I suppose crucially, how we might make that a positive thing, yeah. how we might positively influence them. Uh, because I think we do worry a lot now about the influences sure. uh, uh, on our boys and our young men. But uh, you would make the point that the first influencers in this situation yeah. are parents.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, how we talk to our children, all you know, how we how we model, you know, fathers, how we model ourselves, and mothers, and how they model themselves is such an important part of this discussion. We can look to all the influencers in the world and blame them, but you know, it all starts at home. Home is where the start is, you know, and that's where we develop our ideas about masculinity, our ideas about femininity, our ideas about herself. All of that stuff comes from our early experiences with our parents up there, you know, as the pillars of our life. So that's a fundamental thing.
1: And and I presume it's more what you do than what you. Say, like, we can yeah, say all the right yeah. things, but oh, absolutely. Like they're taking in. How you resolve else as conflicts
2: well. with each other, how you discuss things, how you have heated debate, how you have arguments, like every family. All of that stuff is, you know, the modeling of good relationships, good conflict resolution. All that stuff is such an important part okay. of a child's understanding of self
1: and their, and others in the world. Okay. And what we're modeling mainly there, I presume, is respect. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then, right, uh, it, k- k- boys and girls hit their teens. And uh, this thing happens where the peer group comes in and, yeah. and becomes possibly more important Absolutely in a way. Absolutely more important. Yeah. And that, that's very
2: difficult for parents because, as you know, they were the, of, the colossal of the world of the child's life. And that's a, it's a really re- reef shaping of a relationship when you're, you watch your child lean more towards the friends than, than talk to you and they're maybe a little bit more secretive and they're not, they're not coming to you for answers. They look at you as kind of like, you know, ancient and yeah. you know, your ways are anachronistic and your ideas aren't so hip and all of a sudden and you don't know who Andrew you're Tate make is. Me cry and, and, no but yeah. it's, it, but uh, what I always say to parents because I talk about this a lot in my clinic it's about being together separately or sorry in, being together differently and over the course of like 5 or 6 years it will be a different relationship and you will have to allow that relationship to unfold if you're trying to hold on to the child and have that relationship with them okay. it's going to cause lots of conflict there.
1: Okay. No equally and I always think of that thing or Matt said yeah. that peers are not qualified to raise a child either. So you do have to make sure you keep your oar in there. You're there.
2: I I always say it's like a kind of a controlled agency. You're giving your child more agency, but you're there. All the research says the more you're there, the less risky behaviour they get involved in. The more you're there, the more you have boundaries, the more the child navigates the world safely and develops understandings of how to critically evaluate things that are going on around them. So you have to be there, but understand that they will pull away from you and they will lean more towards their peers. But ultimately,
1: they'll come to you for
2: those crisis moments, you know.
1: OK, and if they're bucking against those boundaries, you have, mm. to, st- stay they, you have they, to stay they, firm. You They ultimately want them. They crave never, them, Brendan. You know,
2: it's like that Robert Frost line, you know, good fences make good neighbours, good boundaries make good children and make good adults.
1: OK, now I think what a lot of parents are going to think about the peers thing is that the unfortunate thing is, you can't choose who their friends are. No, but, but like you know that thing of showing me the five people you spend most time with, and, yeah. that, and that's who you I'll are. I tell you who it's, you are. It's a different one, yeah, like, yeah. isn't it?
2: What I'd always say to parents as well is make sure that the children you know, that that your your son or daughter is hanging around, with, you know, you know them. And you know their parents and get into okay. a WhatsApp group. It's just such an important thing. Get into a WhatsApp group with their parents and all of a sudden, you know, your, your child knows that that jig is up that you can't pretend, you know. <laughs> Brendan, yeah. uh, you know, Sarah's dad is much nicer. He lets her out. Well, we, we're all in the conversation here and we're all saying the same thing and all of that's really important for supporting your children.
1: Okay. And then they get a phone, Yeah, uh, which is a new thing now, I suppose, uh, to be navigated and In a way, like more than parents or friends these days, you wonder if the phone is the biggest influence. Well it is, it
2: it, it is Brendan, you know, you you just, you you couldn't be awake in this world currently and not see the impact of technology in a child's life, in all of our lives, it's just like a Trojan horse that came in here and we can't last, you know, hours without the thing, we can't sit and watch TV without knowing it's next to us and children now communicate through it and that's how they socialise in a lot of ways and so we have to understand that that's that's a new phenomenon and how do we parent that and how do we have a policy around that that allows a child to have it and also be separate from it and that's a crucial thing.
1: OK, but it's opening up all these unfortunate it doors it's for, opening for up boys, particularly. For
2: boys, boy, that manosphere. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. This, this this, space where all these ideas around masculinity are being propagated and, you know, people like Andrew Tate have got like 12 billion clicks on their TikTok accounts and they've got billion, you know, millions of followers and, and, and a lot of what they're saying is, is something that parents should be very worried about and very concerned about. And what I'd say to parents if you're listening, you know, and, and you haven't heard the name Andrew Tate, I would say to you, that's something that you have to ask yourself, how how haven't I heard this? Because he is absolutely the biggest phenomenon, uh, you know, of the last year on social media. There's no doubt about it. And what he says is something that we should be, we should be analysing and talking to our teenagers about.
1: Okay. So do, 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 do the temptation could be to say, okay, I have a vague idea what this yeah. guy is about. Dismiss it and kind of, you know... The deplorables kind yeah, of argument. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. actually we you're saying we kinda have to engage with it a little yeah, bit. No, yeah. I,
2: I think always discourses, you know, if you if you just dismiss it as nothing and you say to your child, I don't listen to him, you know, that's only stupid. You have to listen to uh, the first question. I'd always I like speak with teenagers all the time. You know, I work in, in school and I speak with Great kids, you know, all the time, and they give me loads of ideas of what's going on. And, and they talk to me, and they might, some of them might like Andrew Tate, some of them really dislike Andrew Tate. And what they'd say, what a question I'd always ask myself is when I talk to a kid who likes Andrew Tate, I don't immediately say, Well, there's a kid who now who's a misogynist because he consume." I don't jump to those conclusions. I'd say, Well, what is Andrew Tate delivering that this child might like to consume? What is he filling in this child's life? You know, what is his messaging here? And, you know, how do I teach a child to be more critically uh, able to analyze what he's saying so that they don't just. They don't just take it, you know, on face okay. value that they see that this guy's nice, a bit of cl- clickbait. He's a bit of a grifter. He's a bit of a sleight of hand merchant here. And so, you know, when your child is consuming it at 15 or 16, I can see that as a 40 year old. You know, I can see that in my... What uh, do you my...
1: think the kids are missing that, that they're going to this?
2: Uh, I think I, I've been writing about this for a, lot of, for a long time, Brendan. You get a lot of criticism when you write about it. I think toxic masculinity, that, 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 that language has been incredibly... Isolating for young boys, I think it's been destructive for young boys, and I think you know ideas around cancel culture and the censoriousness of our lives over the last seven seven years, I would say, has caused them to really question how how can they express themselves, how can I talk about what I'm feeling. Am I Is there something Inherently wrong with me You know If you follow those Toxic masculinity okay. ideas Is that there's something Inherently Yeah but I, I think I
1: think we'll say In fairness that what Toxic masculinity Is talking about A strain in yeah, men exactly. And it is always men Doing this stuff A strain of toxicity there It's not all of them see, I suppose But what you're saying Is that If we tell these boys They're, they're bad They're toxic Instead of having yeah. Good expectations it, of it, them See
2: I think There's societal ideas That we need to get at Right I think they're really Important societal ideas I don't think any of us Who are reasonable speaking Are reasonable Thinking underst- doesn't realize that there was inequity in our society for generations and generations, and that's a really important thing. And so the shift happened, which is you know, which is vitally important for a, yeah. a, a, an inclusive society. You know, uh-huh. and I, I've done loads of work around inclusi- inclusivity. I went to America to, a couple of years ago on a Fulbright scholarship, all around this idea of inclusivity. How do we include people, and how do we have a diverse and equitable society? But my whole understanding of it is when you tell people on one part of the debate you're toxic, and rather than looking at the social issues that have caused it or some of yeah. the zeitgeist or the ideas that have caused, you know, people to think a certain way or dominance or, you know, lesser than or more than. I think you rule people out and you exclude them and there you create a massive vacuum. So it's like an overcorrection and to that overcorrection is the Tates of the world. And so what kids would have felt in my conversations is that they were voiceless. And unable to express themselves, and then in walks this brash, transgressive voice that says, "You're not the problem here, Brendan. It's these feminists who are the problem. They're, you know, this is a a gynocentric world. It's a sick, twisted, you know, pathological okay. world that is." Limiting, you know, pushing you outside of it, and so okay. they feed so, on that idea. So
1: we, it, uh, I'm guessing then that talking to them and listening to them and all that, building is, their
2: ability to critically evaluate what he's saying, you know, okay. really that's what you need to get into have that conversation with kids to help them not to shut them down but to help them analyse what he's actually saying so that they can have much better ability to critique it when they come across it because they're going to come across it and that's another issue is these social media platforms who have their hands up but they're pushing the algorithm they know that this stuff is really good clickbait and it's going to drive massive consumership on their platforms and so they push them to young boys because they know that they're disenfranchised they know that they're disillusioned and they push all this really terrible I mean if you get into what he's saying behind... See, it starts off with motivation. Pull yourself up by your your boots. You know, you're not a victim. Oh, that sounds reasonable enough. And then you get into what he's actually saying here. And it's like, you know,
1: quite okay. heinous. Like, you know? And look, we we were all kind of uh, young and immature yeah. and, and riddled with hormones and all that at one stage. But is is there a kind of a, I won't call it a toxicity, but is there something different in this generation of lads? Like, are they a bit more poisoned by... Porn, Andrew Tate, all that kind of
2: stuff. I think they're more disenfranchised because of social media, for sure, and uh, just what we talked about there—all those ideas that there's something inherently wrong with them. I think something that I've been an advocate for action against for years now, and I'm I'm starting a petition soon to go to government with it. Is pornography? I think that's a huge problem. I think that desensitizes boys to really terrible ideas. I think it dehumanises girls. I think it's the reason we see so much pervasive sharing of images um, between boys and girls. I think I sit with girls in my clinic, you know, every day and I hear them and they talk about what was asked for in the relationship and they might be 14 years of age and kind of go, my God, how in the name of God could a 14-year-old boy have that understanding or that desire in his head if only for pornography and consumption of pornography, Brendan, because... The minute you take that phone into your hand, you have got... And see, it's not like pornography when you were in the 90s or 80s and there's a story. This was like, this is hardcore. Pornography now is hardcore BDSM. Pornography, so it's extreme material, and so you're priming also a kid's brain for like addiction. So So,
1: and and then we also then presumably need to be teaching girls that you don't have to go along with that. This this isn't intimacy. Yeah,
2: this isn't intimacy. And if someone asks you for an image, they don't. They're not actually respecting you. We have to have this conversation across the board. You know, I I have three daughters myself, and I and I have this conversation with my eldest daughter, who's now twelve, and so we you know we have to talk about it. It's an uncomfortable conversation, but we have Mm. to talk about it. If a guy really likes you and respects you, he's not going. to ask you for a picture of your chest or any other thing. And, you know, we have to talk about ideas of imperpetuity. They're getting, I think they're getting more clued into it. But pornography is a huge ill in our society. There's absolutely no and doubt wh- about what's it.
1: what's your petition? To ban it or...? or no, like, my
2: petition is, um, yeah, no, is to get enough people to sign up here to say... We cannot be supine here. Our government cannot be using, well, you know, this is outpacing us. We have to have some, something in, in here, some controls here that stops children from just, currently there's no control. So an eight-year-old who gets a smartphone and they're getting them at eight years of age. I've worked in schools where eight-year-olds have consumed extreme material. And so they're getting at that. Imagine the deleterious impact that has on a child's brain, right? And so we have to have something. My idea would be just at the very minimum, Brendan, have an email in there. So if, I, if I'm eight and it says, put in your email to verify okay. your age, you'll think, oh, jeez, I'll get caught here. So a 15-year-old will know they can make it up and come up with a different email. But a really young kid won't. And we need some safeguards. I mean, the alternative is no safeguards. And these platforms aren't going to do it themselves because they're making so much money. There's so much revenue coming. So we have to go to the government and say, look, you have to, you you can't be on your back here. You have to get up here and protect your children because it is the research. This isn't just my opinion. The research is really, really clear on this. This has a massively deleterious impact on a child's development. I see it as a couples therapist in adulthood. You know, young men really stuck into pornography and can't get out of it. It's addictive. And the relationship has collapsed around
1: them. Okay. Um, in terms of going back to where we started a little bit in terms of modelling uh, kind of positive yeah. notions of masculinity and stuff. I see Caitlin Moran was asked her followers on Twitter a few days ago to talk about positive things yeah. about being yeah. male. It probably is time to start crowding exactly. out the other with, that's my with, with point. a point. Exactly. of that.
2: Yeah? Ex- that's exactly what I'm trying to say because of course you know, there's, there's been really elements of masculinity that have not been helpful for boys. For myself I grew up in the 70s and 80s it was, it was not a great time to be a boy. I mean you were told to be stoic and quiet and not express yourself and all those kind of things which are very destructive and so we need to kind of pull away from that discussion conversation and look towards, well, what is it to be a healthy man and how do we celebrate being a boy? I think that's a really important conversation. How do we teach our boys to celebrate being boys and being young men and being men and how can they be productive in the world? And things like sensitivity, vulnerability, empathy, compassion. These are really important things to instil in our children and that's why I suppose, not to go back to Andrew Tate, but his is all about extreme individualism. Look at my Lambo you know? look, look yeah. at the, and look at all my girlfriends and it's all about possessions and really when you actually analyse what he's saying, it's really sad there's an awful insecurity in there a, you know, so if you can help your children to see that this is a guy who believes who was bullied when he was a kid who believes the only way to get past that is to become big and strong and punch people and get cars and have loads of girlfriends and that makes you something that's a valuable man as he says himself that's a, you know, it's a very negative way of looking at it
1: So in practical terms then if you think about positive influence and yeah. stuff sport is obviously absolutely a great one yeah. music as well I know there was something you had growing yeah. up that your older brothers gave you and yeah, everything yeah. and that can be a way of Kind of of developing other sides of
2: absolutely sensitivity I remember yeah. sitting down when I was like eight trying to read the back of *Sergeant Pepper like you know trying to figure out what, what were they saying in Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds all of that stuff is just brings you into contact with like you know it was all love and it was all sensitivity it was all about you know celebrating being a human being and that's really important stuff I think you know and I, I, and I think it's also very important that we do sit down and talk to our, our children about you know
1: what's, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in a relationship and have those conversations yeah. with them Okay. Okay. And listen on the empathy thing there, like we Pat Dolan and Killian Murphy in with us recently, yeah. and this notion they have, which sounds like a no brainer, that yeah. we should be teaching empathy yeah, in, exactly. in schools to, I think, young Such an men thing. particularly. OK, uh, Richard Hogan, Clinical Director of the Therapy Institute. Thank you very Thanks, much, Anna. as always. Saturday with Colm O'Mongon, coming up in just over 15 minutes. Colm is here now. What have you got for us today, Colm?
0: Well, you can bank online, you can buy online, you can check out your car records online. But one of the things we found out during the week was the level of electronic record keeping in the health services below par. Your records could be spread across several filing cabinets and GPs and hospitals and various other venues. So we're going to hear from a cancer survivor who has talked about the impact of this on his treatment, both here and abroad, and a campaigner as well, who's looking for this to be uh, accelerated as a matter of urgency, to try and get things online because it's way behind yeah. at the moment. Six or seven years, and maybe. Like they're
1: waiting to see how it'll work in the children's
0: hospital it seems to be the current
1: um, line they're giving, which... Yeah, there
0: was a business case advanced but the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform knocked it back, the HSC said, during the week. So it could be six or seven years down the line yeah. as it stands yeah. at the moment. And, and like people were texting in last Sunday with sto- various stories about... about
1: things written on the back of envelopes and medications and everything like to be comical if it wasn't uh, yep. if it wasn't so And important. the advantage of
0: having access to your medical records as we'll hear is you know you yep. can hold people accountable you can see what's going right what's going wrong and maybe you know have, have some input uh, into it yourself and keep an eye on it. The other one is the controversial tie-up between Quiltia and a UK fund manager Gresham House. It's been the subject of a heated political debate during the week so we're going to hear from Gresham House and also get reaction to that and also then the winter moratorium on evictions we're going to have a look at that it's going to expire within weeks so what happens then when there's pretty obvious challenges to emergency accommodation what happens to people who are in precarious situations in rented accommodation
1: okay saturday we've Colin coming up after this show we'll take a break